Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Christian Crawford has supported independent tech news directly for five years. Be like Christian. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News from uh, for February 7th, 2019, from the shores of Lake Merritt. I am your host, Justin Robert Young. Now, Tom and Sarah are out for the, the day, but I am not alone. I came with my own crew. Uh, uh, please welcome Shannon Morse. Hello from not Studio Feline, even though I have a cat in my hands. I'm <laughs> Shannon Morse. And... and, and uh, yeah, I'm Amos. I'm running the boards today, although Roger is still producing, and so he's responsible. So, yes, I will, I will follow up with that saying. I'm the show's producer, Roger Chang, uh, and this could be an awesome show. There we go. Smooth like butter. Let's go ahead and start things off with a few tech things you should know. Twitter reported a 24% rise in total revenue last quarter driven by video ads. Earnings per share came in at $0.32, cents, beating expectations of $0.25. Cents. Monthly active users dropped on the year from 330 million to 321 million as expected due to continuing purges of fake accounts. That's the last quarter you'll know that though as Twitter will stop reporting monthly active users in favor of daily monetizable users. Twitter forecasts a lower Q1 revenue and higher uh, full year operating costs than expected. Starting February 28th, Facebook's drop-down, which explains why users are seeing a particular advertisement, will add which of your details were targeted and whether the brand paying for the ad uploaded your contact info in order to match the ad to you. It will also show when the contact information was uploaded and how the brand obtained it. Google Fiber announced that they are ending service in Louisville, Kentucky, and will not charge their final two months of service for subscribers. The announcement blames the departure on faulty infrastructure decisions to place their lines in what is known as nano trenches, only a few inches below the concrete. They have come up, and now there are loose wires on the ground. It would have required a full reinstallation, and instead, they're packing up their fiber and moving on. Oh, no. Motorola announced its Moto G7, G7 Power, and G7 Play phones, all for less than 300 USD. The most expensive, the G7 at 299 has a 6.2-inch LCD screen with 64 gigs of storage, 4 gigs of RAM, and a 3,000 milliampere battery. 
The Moto G7 Power at $249 has the same size screen at a slightly lower resolution with 3 gigs of RAM and 32 gigs of storage, but it also has a larger battery at 5,000 milliamp per hour. All three models come with Android 9 Pie, and they also have, my favorite, a headphone jack. All three are available now in Brazil and Mexico, coming to Europe in mid-February and the U.S. in the spring. All right, let's get into a few. There we go. Let's get into a few more stories in depth. In a blog post Thursday, Amazon VP of Global Public Policy at AWS, Michael Punk, said that the company supports for uh, appropriate legislation surrounding the use of facial recognition technology by law enforcement to ensure uh, uh, to ensure civil rights are not being violated. This follows a similar declaration from Microsoft last month saying it discourages the use of technology to engage in unlawful discrimination and encourage, uh, encourages consumers to be transparent about its use. Snubs, what do you think? This is obviously a, a, a hot-button issue that has a lot of ramifications. Uh, uh, what, what do you think about Amazon's stance on this? Yeah, it's absolutely a big thing with a lot of ramifications, just like you said. And the problem that I see with this is how are they going to make sure that this doesn't happen? Because we've seen discrimination happen with facial recognition technology, even though companies say that it's not going to be biased. We've seen this kind of information happen before. So how are they going to uh, make sure that this doesn't happen in the future as compared to what we've already seen in the past? You know, I think part of it is these tools are only as good as the algorithm that they are using to keep track of it. And that that to me is the conversation that we need to have, uh, specifically when it comes to education, because as soon as this gets into a, a legal situation, it's it's going to be beyond uh, a nuance. It's going right. to be about, you know, a, a swinging the big hammer and making a corrective decision. And yet I, I don't know if we are quite as savvy as we should be or need to be about understanding these algorithms that are being used. Now, I do appreciate that they said, you know, with new technology, just like anything else in the world, you know, you shouldn't ban it. You shouldn't condemn it immediately uh, because of potential misuse. Cause it's the same thing with like information security. There's a lot of potential misuses that you can have. I apologize for the background noise. My cat's using the litter box, but <laughs> that is still going to be an issue. So you shouldn't ban it or, you know, just outright say that it's not necessarily be- because facial recognition can be a good thing. We just have to make sure that it's, it's protecting, you know, civil rights and it's making sure that, in the future, we're not. Yeah, seeing I, I, don't, I don't know how much it's going to protect civil rights. I, I do think that it cannot discriminate. I think oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. That, 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 <laughs> that is definitely the big key. Maybe I'm taking it a step too far. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But I don't think it needs to be a RoboCop situation. Uh, protecting but it is civil a good rights. Thing that Amazon yeah. is making this stance, and I'm hoping that them, being that they're such a large, large company, uh, that other companies also take that same similar stance because they see it as a positive movement uh, in, in society and for their business as well. Agreed. So moving on, Google announced it's open sourcing its bug finding infrastructure, cluster fuzz on GitHub. Fuzzing is a term for automated software testing process that inputs invalid, unexpected, or random data into a computer program, which is monitored to see exceptions like crashes and memory leaks. Cluster fuzz is Google's cloud-based implementation that runs on 25,000 cores that was launched in 2012. Two years ago, the company offered cluster fuzz as a free service to open source projects projects. 
Now, I think that this is very exciting because a lot of times what you see with these open source tools, once they are open sourced, uh, you see a lot of growth and engagement with them, especially from a security standpoint. Uh, As well, with these software tools, this makes people's jobs a lot faster so that they can better protect the companies that they are working for. And um, they even mentioned in the article here that Clusterfuzz has already helped uncover more than 16,000 bugs in Chrome alone and more than 1,000 or 11,000 bugs uh, in over 160 open source projects with OSS Fuzz, uh, which is the integration of it. So just the fact that they are doing this is is huge. It's very, very positive, And I'm really glad that they are opening this up to the OSS community. Much like writing a typo in a tweet, bug <laughs> hunting is best done in public because the flaws will be found uh, far faster than if you aren't left to do it yourself. I think this is a very smart decision by Google to open source it and, and put it on GitHub where... These are, you know, the, this is this is the the place that everybody finds these kinds of products, and and uh, exactly, it's, it's, a, it's a good idea. And, and something to mention too with GitHub is a lot of times with these open source tools, you'll see really cool forks, uh, which is to say that you'll you'll see this software, but it'll be forked out into a brand new piece of software, yeah. that will be used for something similar, but maybe even something even better. Yeah. So we might see some really awesome growth with Clusterfuzz in the future, and we might even hear a lot about other tools that are made uh, that make it even better. So we will see. Mm, speaking about unintended uh, features. TechCrunch reports that many iOS apps uh, use services like Glassbox that record the screen when customers use the apps in order to replay them to observe interactions to improve the interface. Mobile expert, the app and analyst, recently discovered that Air Canada's iOS app wasn't properly masking these recordings, meaning personal info like passport and credit card numbers were being uh, sent in the recordings. TechCrunch requested the app analyst uh, to look at other apps and found that while most do properly mask data, none indicated that the recordings were being made. Theoretically, this is because all the information is already being shared with the company through the app. So they know what you're doing. They know what buttons you're pressing. They know the time in which it is taking between you doing X, Y, or Z. They have the vast majority of this data coming through yet it's being recorded on your screen as well. Is that crossing a line, Snubs? 100% yes, Justin. I think it is. They say that theoretically the information is already being shared. It's already available to the company, but the company shouldn't be able to follow your actions from step one to step two in in such a very... um, is such an invasion of privacy. Uh, I wouldn't want somebody like looking over my shoulder and watching everything I'm doing when I open my email. Like that's just not something that I want to have happen. I'm not necessarily trying to hide something in particular. Well, but, but, but you just- can you can you can understand where the companies would want the data from a quality assurance perspective, right? They want to make yeah, the app does. better. They want to make the app more intuitive. Anytime that you've run through an app that was garbage, you would wish that they had understood your intuitive behavior better. And this is. Seems like a, a, a push toward that, but I do think that there is a line between getting all the data on how people are interacting with your service and recording 
the screen, which you're not masking, you know, credit card information. And, and see, there's an absolute place for that kind of usage. Like, take when my mom wants to use LogMeIn, uh, or I want to use LogMeIn to test my mom's computer. I yeah. want to make sure that she's using it correctly and figure out why she's having an error. Like, there's a time and a place for that. But the fact that Glassdoor, and I quote, they say that they don't enforce their customers to mention it in in their privacy policies or anything so these companies aren't making it clear to their users that they're doing this whenever they want if they just made it available so that you know if you have some kind of usage report or an error report and they say hey we're going to record your screen session so we can see why this is happening that would make a lot more logical sense to me but the fact that they can just do this whenever they want and they don't have to tell you that's the messed up well and that that the other thing is that when when we talk about okay well these companies already have this information. Yes. And anytime and. <laughs> that you are, you know, uh, showing that kind of info, you don't know how long these employees are going to be at that company. The companies are not just these, you know, unified bodies that move all together. They're like any other job. People come, people go. Some people are trustworthy. Others aren't. And I don't want to make this a fear mongering thing, but I do think that it is the reason why we should put caution uh, uh, in the lead in questions like this. Absolutely. Well, Italy, we have a story on Italy. They will not ban Huawei and ZTE from helping build the country's 5G network, the industry ministry said in a statement today. Earlier on Thursday, the Italian newspaper La Stampa cited senior government sources saying that Rome was ready to use special powers to terminate contracts with the two Chinese companies. Uh, So this is part of an ongoing story that we've seen with Huawei and ZTE being banned in numerous countries. Yeah. And given that Italy had previously stated that, you know, they were going to, uh, this is kind of a turnaround. So we are, we are seeing finally one, one country specifically that has decided that they're still going to allow Huawei and ZTE to help build that infrastructure. Of course, the controversy here, and and we are no uh, exception here in the United States is that, Companies like Huawei and ZTE are thought of by many, although we can certainly have a conversation about exactly what the evidence is, that these are, that, that a 5G network with a backdoor to the Chinese government effectively gives up everything. Like, we are going to be pushing toward more and more 5G access because of the speeds and, and throughput that it has. So if you have a backend on that, you literally have a backend for every possible interaction with the Internet and <laughs> Huawei and ZTE uh, are are certainly suspect, even even down to the point where we're, we're looking to extradite, uh, uh, you know, a, a senior official from Huawei here to the United States for, uh, I guess, interacting with I- Iran improperly. And and that's the thing we have seen stories, and we have seen a lot of, um, a, a lot of, I, I guess, people thinking on what this could be that's happening behind the scenes, but we haven't seen anything officially come out with source material, with information that we can actually, you know, uh, uh, read ourselves that states that they have done any of those things. However, there have been um, cases very recently where Huawei has been um, uh, found to be be doing things that they shouldn't be doing. It, it, it's <laughs> hard because if you are Chinese intelligence, the last thing that you want to do is be like, oh, yeah, sure. Here's our back door. Here's how we're planning on spying on the world. Uh, we're yes. we're going to uh, uh, below market price 5G infrastructure, and we're going to make sure that we are the lowest bid for every country on the planet. 
<laughs> well, I'm always of the standpoint of innocent until proven guilty, especially because I, I remain skeptical, but I base that on on proof material. So uh, I'm still waiting to see that proof material. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead, Roger. I was going to uh, part of it is there's a there's a confluence of events that are happening that aren't. They're related, but not necessarily the same thing. The thing with right. the Huawei CFO is for essentially fraud to U.S. financial institutions that happened, I think, three or four years ago before the current administration. And so, you know, it, it's a case that's been brewing for some time. Yes. And, and while it's related to the whole 5G thing, it is not because of the 5G thing, directly, no. at least in, in, in the court case. No, certainly not. Although, uh, 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 certainly when it comes to... Uh, uh, gigantic businesses in china uh, uh many things are connected to you know the 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 party and the government so um, it, it look I, I i agree with the skepticism i'm totally on board there but i think this might be in a, a situation where we can exercise a little bit of caution you know uh the financial times reports uh earnings from at&t comcast verizon and charter all reduced capital expenditures in 2018 the first drop in investment in three years. Net neutrality rules stopped being enforced in June of 2018 for the first time in about three years. Sprint spent more than $1 billion on infrastructure last year, but told the Financial Times the increase was not due to change in the rules. Uncertainty over the regulatory landscape may have made the change in rules irrelevant to investment decisions. I don't know how much stake to put in something like this just because... I, I think the decisions on infrastructure for telcos are made years in advance. This does not seem like it's something that would necessarily go on a hairpin turn. I would like to see a longer sample size for this. And yet, I can totally understand the net neutrality uh, uh, supporters saying, wait a minute. The whole point of this was that everybody, the free market was supposed to uh, run wild. We were supposed to have unlimited infrastructure spending. Yeah, actually, I'm probably going to surprise some people when I say this, but um, I agree with you, Justin, even though I am a very, very stark net neutrality supporter. And um, my opinions have been very well known on places like Twitter as far as how I feel about the FCC and the federal level and their current dealings with net neutrality. I'm not necessarily going to say that um, seeing these numbers coming out from mobile carriers and coming out from telecoms uh, is necessarily impacted by what has happened with net neutrality or what has not happened with net neutrality. We need to see a study over uh, maybe a course of a few years to really determine what's going on and maybe see some more numbers from these companies as well. I, I think we should, so. we, we should keep the heat up because I don't think that these guys move unless people are yelling, hey, this was what you were supposed to do. Why aren't you doing this? Uh, maybe we should talk more about net neutrality if you're not going to start ponying up and spending more on infrastructure. Yeah. Hey, you want to know what? That was a great conversation. That was nuanced. That was fun. And we got another one coming up for you. But if you want all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. 
All right, let's get into the big discussion story. In January, Motherboard revealed that AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint were selling their customers real-time location data to authorize licensed companies who then resell that data to unlicensed businesses, including bail bondsmen, bounty hunters, and car salesmen. The telcos said that these incidents uncovered by Motherboard were fringe cases. However... Those dogged gumshoes there at Motherboard did a follow-up report and found in internal records from a defunct data reseller, SirCare1, around 250 bounty hunters and related businesses had access to AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint customer location data. With one bail bond firm using the phone location service more than 18,000 times and others using it thousands or tens of thousands of times. Now, obviously this was reported before. This is not exactly new news, but since we had snubs here, somebody that uh, is is uh, doing the Lord's work and spreading around information on exactly how insecure <laughs> many of the things that we use are, I thought that this would be a good opportunity for us to just have a larger conversation about not only things that we have open and accessible in our own homes, but also whether or not we do need to have a conversation about exactly how much we are broadcasting on the little miracle slates we have in our pockets known as smartphones. So let's start here, Snubs. Does this surprise you that uh, 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 it wasn't the telco selling directly to bail bondsmen and bounty hunters, but uh, uh, certainly through a few middlemen, does it surprise you that this information got into the hands of car salesmen and bounty hunters? Uh, it, it doesn't at all. Um, I was kind of assuming that this was going to happen because as soon as they said, yeah, it's not a big deal. Like this didn't happen very often. I was like, no, there's mm-hmm. gotta be more to yeah. this story. The fact that they, that motherboard was able to do it so easily just tells me that if somebody else had very like a nefarious use case or, you know, for a bail bondsman, if they really wanted to find that location data, they could. Of course, they're going to, especially if it's inexpensive. And (laughs) some people can look at this, especially the motherboard article that was posted this week and say, well, I'm just going to throw away my phone because there's no point in having one in my pocket anymore because everybody can track me. And, you know, who knows what people are going to find out about me? Well, there are ways that you can turn it off. So you don't necessarily have to be tracked if you don't want to. So there's a lot of ways that you can implement your own security so that this doesn't happen. And not only that, but AT&T, T-Mobile, and Sprint, along with you know other carriers, Google Fi has said they don't even do this from the, from the start, which is great. But these other ones that did do it, all of them have come out and said, hey, if we did do it, we are start stopping it. We're slowing down that sharing of customer data, and it's going to end in the springtime. Or if it hasn't already ended, it will end <laughs> in a couple of months. So hopefully they're telling the truth when they say that. Sure. Because that means that a lot of those issues that we've had are are going to end. And by the way, when we talk about things like 5G networks and, and what kind of information would come from owning 5G networks, things like where your device is pinging off towers, which is the data that, that was being gleaned here, is some of the stuff that would be available to somebody that would own them, which is part of the reason why you want to be uh, careful about it. Now, that being said... Uh, Shannon, do you believe that we should, on the device side, either be taking more care personally or that, 
you know, Android and iOS and some of the other operating systems need to be taking a lead and understanding, all right, uh, maybe you should be more aware and a lot of this should be opt-in or per use when it comes to uh, pinging your location everywhere. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, Justin. Yes, I know. I ask, <laughs> I ask, I ask the rich, meaty questions here on DTNS. Well, yeah, as, as much as I think that companies should hold themselves accountable for our security and privacy, I also know that they, they use a lot of that data monetarily and they make a profit off of that information. So I've always this, taken- this, this is we are talking about the telcos here. Uh, yeah, in general, really, okay. a lot of companies just use our data, whether it's location data or or personal data about like voting records and stuff like that. They just use that data monetarily for profit because they can yeah. sell it to data aggregators. And in this case, they were able to sell that data or share that data with location aggregators. And that's where all this debacle started, even though that was legal and that was totally fine contractually. It's the point where those location aggregators were selling it to other people. And that's the problem that you have with larger companies is that you don't know where that information ends up. If they legally are able to sell it once, who knows what the other people are doing with that data and if they're even securing it in the first place on their servers, like there could be issues there. So I always try to take a stance of if there's a way that I can protect myself better, then I'm going to do it whether it's turning off location data or like high accuracy on Android, I believe it's called. You can just turn on GPS location accuracy instead. Or I'll hide my phone in a, in a uh, Faraday bag or a Faraday purse, which basically cuts off any kind of transmissions to and from the phone whatsoever so that nothing can be seen about its location or any of the data that's coming off of it. So there's a lot of things that you can do to protect yourself. Um, because we can't necessarily trust companies to do that for us. And I think that's the big thing is you just you never know how well somebody is going to protect yourself unless you're the one doing it yourself. All right. We're going to move off the phone for a second here because I do want to move this a little bit further out. This is not the same issue, but I do think that it is related in the idea of us being better educated and understanding how interconnected and how much we are sharing online. One of the things that I've become fascinated with over the last few weeks is a website called Shodan, uh, <laughs> wherein you can find uh, uh, open ports on webcams, printers, uh, and, and every other Internet of Thing uh, uh, device. But just give us a, a primer for people who have no idea uh, uh, you know exactly what sites like these are snubs can you just give people a little primer on the things that you can find on on a site like Shodan. Yeah, so um, Shodan is over at Shodan.io. Uh, I've been to that website. It's it's totally legal. You can find it on Google, which is amazing. Uh, but it's a search engine that allows you to find uh, IP addresses of devices that are fully open and public to the internet. Now, normally, whenever you buy a device, it's supposed to be closed down behind a firewall, basically. Like like if you put it behind a, a router in your house, it should be behind some kind of firewall so that it's not, so that its data isn't getting out into the wilderness where anybody can check, check it out. Well, Shodan makes it fairly easy for you to search online for a specific device. Like if you're looking for a 
device manufacturer that makes cameras, like security cameras, you could search for those specific kinds of security cameras on Shodan. And then you could see which ones are publicly accessible. You could click on them and you could potentially see a live stream of that camera going straight through uh, to your not, web browser. Not potentially. Definitely. You can yeah. go and see people's grow houses and <laughs> children and uh, gardens and living rooms. Uh, uh, these are open and available. It is yeah. worth it. If you have anything that is connected to Wi-Fi, it's worth a Google to see how you can secure it. This is yeah. my this is my uh, statement. I'm not as good at this as I wish I was. Hopefully, these lessons are well heard as uh, I know the very smart and intelligent DTNS listenership will will take them to heart. And luckily, a lot of the things that you can find on Shodan can be protected. Some of them are just built that way with like. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys. With good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Default passwords that you just can't change and they're always going to be open and publicly accessible and you just should not buy those kind of products. No, you should drag those to your trash. And by that, I don't mean and on your light, desktop. Light I mean your a, physical, a physical trash. Allowed. Yeah. <laughs> if you're allowed to. If there's a burning policy in your area, then yes, light them on fire if you want to. Uh, <laughs> but it's bad for our environment. We'll just put it like that. E-cycle. E-cycling is good. But yeah. if you have the option, then purchase one that is secure that allows for you know app upgrades that allows itself to be updated uh, that has a security policy on their site that does third-party audits that allows you to do something as simple as changing the password and potentially the username as well uh, things that allow you to you know put it behind a router and still be able to access it things that should not be on the web publicly accessible uh, there's a lot of protocols you can take yourself again things that you can do yourself to make sure that those don't end up on sites like this uh, because it is a problem it's a huge problem and a lot of those devices that you can find in shodan can also be used in the future 
if they haven't already, um, to create a bot to create ransomware or spread yeah. malware, if you will, across the globe. So it's important to do your dil- due diligence as a consumer to make sure you're buying secure products. Indeed. Unsolicited plug uh, for one of my uh, favorite podcasts, The Darknet Diaries, did a great episode. Uh, their most recent one was about a hack in which somebody email. I, mean, I think we talked about it right here on this show. Uh, used Shodan to find open ports on printers so he could alert people that their printers were insecure and that they should subscribe to PewDiePie. Uh, Thank (laughs) you for everybody who participates in our subreddit. Submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com and facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's go ahead and check out this mailbag here. Sam, a patron in Oregon, emailed in... I recently was enjoying a Vice podcast through my favorite podcatcher, Pocket Cast. I got a few episodes in, and they announced uh, that uh, to listen to the rest, I would have to go to Spotify. It was free, but I had to download the app, and uh, I didn't have to the some of the features that Pocket Cast has. Not a big pain, but it feels like they are moving more in the direction of exclusives and keeping people in their ecosystem. Keep up the good work. This obviously in reference to the Gimlet and Anchor purchases by Spotify. They are certainly making a move on Apple to be challenge them uh, for the, uh, the, the the crown of podcast listening. Any any of this worry you snubs? Uh, not too much because I do most of my podcast listening just straight through YouTube. However, that in itself is its own ecosystem. So I I wish that these. All these apps were you fully integrated. To, where you I listen to podcasts on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> like through the app, like the mobile app, or I can understand in 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 the desktop. But you just play it, and is it is just like a static yeah. screen, or is it are yeah, they all video audio, podcasts? Audio podcasts that get uploaded to YouTube. That way, I don't have to download another application because I do most of my work on YouTube, so it's easier that way. <laughs> I would I would encourage people if you enjoy podcasts, please subscribe to their RSS feeds because that's how. <laughs> That's how they are able to, to have metrics for uh, uh, advertising and such. But certainly if they're uploading them to YouTube, like... Uh, YouTube I, has metrics. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm going to have to have a talk with you. Uh, but in the, in the meanwhile, uh, Shannon, thank you so much for being on the show. What do you got cooking? <laughs> well, on my YouTube channels, <laughs> techthing, T-E-K thing, dot com. Uh, that's where we just reviewed this gigantic ultra wide monitor. It's 48 inches wide. It was huge and very beautiful. Uh, you should definitely check it out. And then uh, ThreatWire over at hack5.org. Uh, you should check out that show too. And by the way, this month on Patreon, uh, for every person that signs up on my Patreon account for ThreatWire, I'm also donating $5 to Women in Security and Privacy, which is a US-based uh, 501c3 charity. Uh, so that way you get to unlock a bunch of perks and I get to donate to a program that I really love and enjoy and appreciate their services. Um, so that's one way that we can both support the community threat wire over at hack5.org a worthy worthy cause hey i want to thank all the people that make this show possible on patreon our goal each month is to get one more patron than last month and you could be that person that puts us over the top become a dtns member get an ad-free rss feed special episodes from tom on how we do the show special episodes looking back on tech news of the past and more sign up at patreon.com slash DTNS. And don't forget, if you are already a patron, 
vote in with which earbuds Sarah should get to pull for new feature for her new feature live with it where she lives with the product for three months and comes back with a full report on how it worked I'm going to vote right now because I know she hates earbuds and I yeah, really so want I. her to get oh they're not on here you want uh, I'm 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 voting in I'm, I'm, I'm voting Ralph Nader and just saying earbuds <laughs> uh, but go ahead on over uh, uh, to uh, uh, patreon.com slash DTNS and you will find that post. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is uh, 2130 UTC. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Tom's back tomorrow with guests Annalene Newitz and Len Peralta. See you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.